Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want to share with you just a short passage in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 24, verse 19. It says, yet, and I'm reading this in the New King James Version. It says, yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. Amen. Amen. I want to share around the thought or the theme God's first responders. First and Second Chronicles is uh, one book, just one book in the Jewish canon, and the last Old Testament book recorded in that canon. Chronicles was written to provide a message of hope to God's people as they struggle to recover their national dignity and destiny after 70 years of exile in Babylon. The extensive genealogies in First Chronicles are written to provide a positive portrait of the Davidic kingship and the Levitical priesthood. In Second Chronicles, the biographies are family histories of the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom that comprise the contents of most of the book are written to emphasize that God blesses obedience, but he judges disobedience. It is in this context that our text, the text that I shared with you, erupts with a solitary yet singular tribute and timely recognition of the ministry of the prophets. The writer reminds his audience that the prophets were God's point men, God's first responders whenever the nation veered from the word of God. As first responders, they were God's devoted servants. The dictionary defines a first responder as a person such as a police officer, Fireman or an EMT who is among those responsible for going immediately to the scene of an accident or emergency to provide assistance. In the context of our celebration today, Pilgrim, I am including pastors in this definition. First responders run toward trouble when others are running away. First responders risk their own lives to save the lives of others. First responders are the first to arrive and the last to leave. And first responders view their jobs as callings and not 
careers. While driving in St. Louis City this week, a sign on a Metro transit bus caught my attention. Replacing the normal route or destination information on the rectangular marquee above the windshield of the bus were the words, no service today. It was a notification that the bus, for whatever reasons on that day, was not accepting passengers. Pastors can't do that. As first responders, we are on the job 24-7. In the book of Jeremiah, God issues a scorching indictment against the pastors of Israel. He says, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. During the global pandemic and its aftermath, this new normal that we now occupy in the wake of that pandemic, the ranks of our first and frontline responders swelled to include doctors, nurses, lab technicians, grocery clerks, delivery drivers, school teachers, service workers, and postal employees. We remain indebted to them for their sacrifice. We call them essential workers to categorize, characterize, and commemorate their roles, risk, and responsibility. Today, Pilgrim Baptist Church, as you celebrate this pastoral milestone, our text is a timeless reminder that God has blessed you with an essential worker, with a first responder, with a devoted servant, and with his calling and commitment to serve you during these past 11 years. He joins, he joins based on this text and its larger context, a long line of prophetic and pastoral first responders. So there are three things in the text that tells us about God's first responders. Would you like to know what they are? First of all, there is the sacredness of their calling. The first movement of our text deals with the sacredness and sanctity of the calling or sending of these prophetic first responders to Israel and by application to the church. Our text narrates God's response to the national crisis Israel faced. 200 years after the Babylonian captivity, the covenant people of God were still trying to find their way. So what did the Lord do to mitigate this crisis? He sent prophets. He didn't send counselors. He didn't send social workers. He didn't send armies. He didn't send bankers. He sent prophets. The text begins with the word yet. Yet. Which means in spite of, somehow, regardless of, yet recognizes and affirms in the text an act of grace. An expression of a gift. Your past is a gift. The initiative comes from God. 
in both the Old and the New Testament. So there is a record of God gifting Israel with first responders, with, with prophets and pastors, with what I call, let me put it this way, sanctified sayers, prolific proclaimers, dynamic declarers, sagacious shepherds, and courageous communicators that I'm describing today as first responders. So in response to the spiritual deficit and dysfunction that the nation was facing, God gave Israel prophets. But there is more. Like the first responder we honor today, they were sent. Y'all say sent. Some went and some are sent. <laughs> they were sent. They were in the inescapable grip and grasp of a divine calling and commission. They did not pick up the prophetic ministry. The ministry picked them up. Because here's the reality. If you can't pick it up, and this applies not just to pastors and preachers, but to Sunday school teachers and ushers and to deacons and trustees and choir members, if you can pick it up, you can put it down. They were sent. Can I tell you about it? Isaiah sent while in the temple, mesmerized by a heavenly vision. Amos sent while tending the sycamore trees in his family's orchard. Jonah sent while experiencing a Uber ride in the belly of a whale. Hosea sent while gripped in the suffocating stress of marital discord. Daniel sent while trying to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Jeremiah sent while being formed in his mother's womb. Ezekiel sent while sitting by the river Cheba in Babylon where the people sat. When you sent, you'll be motivated by a resolve so strong a calling so irrepressible, a determination so deep that we can escape the gravitational pull of our own self-interest, human weaknesses and past sins, and move into orbit around God's providential will and become devoted servants of the Lord. They were all sent, set apart, hallowed, sanctified for the work of ministry. They were like the Apostle Paul sent while on a prosecutorial mission to persecute the saints in Damascus and yet on the Damascus road transformed by vision of the resurrected Lord. And he would later write to the church at Corinth. He said, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to brag about. I'm paraphrasing here. I have nothing to glory. That's right. He says because necessity is laid upon me. That's right. For woe is me. Yeah, yeah. If I preach not, the gospel. So there he is. There he is in the first instance the sacredness of their calling. But let's look at the second thing in the text. There's the scope of their concern. Their singular and yet expansive mission was, as in the text, 
to bring the people back to God. If you want to know what a job description is for a pastor, that's it. Through precept and example to bring the people to God. Inherent in this constant concern was the communication of the word of God to the people of God by declaration and demonstration. God's first responders embrace this concern. This concern keeps us awake at night. This concern drives us to our knees in prayer. This concern calls us to move through the words of scripture so on Sunday morning we can find a word in due season for the people of God. They are relentless in their response to the needs of others, these first responders. Like the shepherd in the trilogy of parables that Jesus told in Luke 15 who had 100 sheep but when one wandered off into the bush he left the 99 and went looking for the one that was lost. He would not relax. He would not rest or relent until he found it. And then when he found it he hoisted the sheep on his shoulder and went back home taking the sheep back to the fold from which it had strayed. On a spiritual level, this is what prophets do. This is what, by extension from this text, pastors do today. And pastors do this while dealing, oh listen, while dealing with their own humanity and struggles in life. I love the description of one of my favorite authors, the late Dr. Henry Newman. He says, pastors are wounded healers. We bind up the wounds of others while we are binding up our own. Pastors not exempt from problems. In fact, let me tell you this. The devil has pastors in his scope because he figures that if he can get the head he can mess up the body. So among all the other things we ought to be doing to encourage the pastor, we ought to be praying for him. One of the things I'm enjoying doing in this new season of ministry is coming alongside pastors, many of them young in the ministry, and praying for them because this is not for the faint-hearted. In chapter 4, verse 9, of his first letter to the church at Corinth, Paul said, as first responders, as God's spokesman, we are as a spectacle unto the world. And he uses the word in the Greek language from which we get our word theater. He says, we are pastors, but we're theater. We're apostles, but we're theater. We are pastors, but we're husbands. We're fathers. We're sons, we're brothers, many are employees, we're friends, and yes, let me tell y'all this, we're sinners too. Bible says all have sinned. Not y'all have sinned, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Like everyone else, pastors feel or deal 
with the deadly deeds, death, disease, debt, disappointment, doubt, depression, and disillusionment. And if we made a movie and put it on in a theater about the struggles we have, I'm telling you, sell tickets. The scope of our concern is to love God, even though we got our own stuff, to love God and love his people, especially those who don't love us back. Amen. To want more for others. I've shared this with your pastor, the frustration of it. To want more for others who many times don't want as much for themselves. To walk the extra mile for someone who won't walk a foot for you. I know we don't have nobody like that here in Pilgrim. To preach the word of God. And not only to preach it with our words, but to preach it with our lives. So there is the scope of our concerns. There is the sacredness of our calling. One other thing in the text, and I'm done. There is the source of their confidence. This text says they preached, they prophesied, and then it says this. They testified, they witnessed, but the people did not listen. The people did not listen. I used to be troubled when people did not listen or respond to my message or ministry positively. And then God helped me because I read about how Jesus read about how Jesus went to his own hometown of Nazareth. And in Matthew chapter 13 verse 58 it says he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. And the spirit said to me now if Jesus dealt with doubters and discontents. You know you're going to have to deal with them too. And so. When we share. When we minister. And this is relating to anything we do in ministry. We don't do it. To gain the approval of people. Or a positive response. We do it because the Lord has laid his hands on us. And when, when it gets difficult, we must remember what Paul said, that you should not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you don't faint. When I said that to you this morning, it makes me think about my granddad. I grew up on a farm in West Tennessee. And granddaddy, particularly after spring planting time, he'd get a little bounce in his step. A few years later, as I thought about that bounce, that exuberance, that enthusiasm that granddaddy had, it occurred to me that sometimes in life, when things aren't happening above ground, well, 
when what we've sown in the life of a child or in the life of a ministry yeah. or in our marriage has not manifested itself above ground. We still have a reason to rejoice because of what we put in an underground. <laughs> Do I have a witness? Sometimes I just speak about the goodness of the Lord. And I just remember what the Word of God says on those difficult days that I sometimes have. Those days when we want to have a little pity party. God just reminds me that the best days are yet to come. Paul, Paul said, now I see through a glass darkly. But then one day I'll see face to face. Let's go back to the first responder metaphor. The greatest first responder in history crept out from under the father's throne. Bible says he was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He submitted to the father's salvific plan to mitigate the catastrophic pandemic of sin and suffering that plagued planet earth. He refused to distance himself from us but temporarily suspended the appearance of the wearing of his royal and divine kingship and put on the garments of a fragile humanity. And the Bible says he came down through 42 generations to save us from our sins. He came down and went up to a hill called Calvary and he used the sanitizer of a perfect humanity to redeem us from our sins. And Paul said he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God that is him. And I want to ask you, Pilgrim, do you know who he is? Do you know who this first responder is? Plato said uh, he's a great architect uh, of the universe. Uh, Aristotle said he's an unmoved mover. Somebody else said he's a presence uh, that disturbs me with the joy of elevated thoughts. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said he's a knock at midnight hour. Oh, some of you ain't with me this morning. Let me come down a little closer to you. Isaiah said uh, he's wonderful. He's a counselor. He's an everlasting father and the eternal God. Jeremiah said uh, he's like fire. Shut up in my bones. Ezekiel said he's a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Daniel said he is the ancient of days. And the writer of Hebrews picked up that theme and said he's the same God yesterday and today and forevermore.
do have a witness. Y'all want to know who TV say he is? The first responder of first responders. He may not come or when you want him, but he's always, always on time. Do you know him? He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bridge over trouble water. He is a doctor and a lawyer. He is a way maker. He is a heaven old sharer. He is a mind regulator. Do you have a witness here? Yes, Do you know him? You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.